This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Hello and welcome to News Laundry Hafta. We are back with a panel uh, like 40% of which is over the phone. Actually, more than 40. My math is obviously weak. We have Ullek with us. Uh, those of you who have been regular listeners of Hafta have heard him before. I'll just give you an introduction for those who are joining at the Hafta for the first time. N.P. Ullek is a journalist, author and a political commentator based out of Delhi. He's currently with Open Magazine as executive editor. He's more than 20 years of experience with India's biggest publications, Economic Times, DNA, India Today. He's written three books, Kannur, in, Inside India's Bloodiest Revenge Politics, The Untold Vajpai, that's a biography which I've also read. And I think we discussed that on the Hafta, yeah, right? Yeah, I think, I think we did. And uh, War Room, The People, Tactics and Technology Behind Narendra Modi's Win. In 2014. So right now you're with the Open Magazine. Dhanya Rajendran, the co-founder of News Minute, will be joining us, uh, whose organization has done a stellar job of reporting on the Kerala floods. We have here with us Anand Vardhan, our Hello. in-house thinker and opinion writer. Hello. And also joining us on the phone is Manisha Pandey, who um, cannot come to office just because of a slight drizzle <laughs> while people in Kerala are braving 20 feet and still getting to where they have to go. Tells you a lot about these pahadis. <laughs> okay, can I do a, can I do the <laughs> ultimate stereotype? <laughs> Who are lazy? <laughs> okay, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail on that. Pandeji, sorry. Yes. So, uh, but I'll just quickly go over what all we'll discuss. Of course, we'll discuss the Kerala floods. That was the biggest story of the week. Uh, then our former Prime Minister Atul Bihari Vajpayee died. In fact, many of you who heard last week's Hafta Masi wondering why we didn't discuss him in more detail. It's because his death was announced... It was announced in the evening or in the morning? It was announced uh, in the evening. So the, late the, in the, evening. the afternoon we were recording, that evening uh, it was announced. So when we recorded we, in the morning, right? Yeah, Thursday yeah. morning we recorded. Correct. So while we were yeah. recording, he wasn't declared dead yet. So that is why we didn't have a you know major discussion about him. Meanwhile, Navjot Sidhu's hug in Pakistan as he went to attend Imran Khan's swearing-in has caused much controversy and many articles have written about it. One that comes to mind is Shobha Days, which made me cringe. Oh, yeah. I was wondering, like, what is this article? Then I saw the byline. I was like, oh, Shobha Days. Has to be. Then Ashutosh quits Ahmadni Party, followed by Ashish Khetan. Finally, we get to discuss up after many weeks. They've been <laughs> maintaining a very low profile. And in case we have time for any other topics, if anybody has any suggestions, uh, we'll go ahead. So then let's start with the Kerala flood. Um, you know, uh, Ulek, if you could just give us a rough idea for those of people who don't know enough about it. It's the worst flood in 100 years, apparently. Yeah. And you are from Kerala. Yeah. Uh, although the region you're from was not flooded because it's higher lying. Yeah, but it, Kerala is a small place, you know, any, and I've lived in almost all the districts, um, uh, especially in these parts, you know, which are... <laughs> Um, tourist hotspots. These are all uh, familiar places, you know, like Kumarakam was badly affected. You know, it, it falls in Kotem district. You know, it, it was one of the favorite holiday destinations or at least once Vajpayee was there to uh, unwind and, you know, recharge his batteries. That was the place that he chose to visit. And all these places like uh, Munar and, you know, and around Kochi, you know, who wants to travel to uh, Kerala to uh, take in the beauty of the backwaters? You know, these are the places that were badly affected in the floods. 
to uh, to start with you know like about history i'll talk about history it was in 1924 that kerala saw massive floods of the gravity of uh, this one hmm. at that time the rainfall recorded uh, in 1924 which in malayalam calendar it is 1099 so they hmm. always talk about the floods of 99 you know actually these are floods of 1924 right so it's uh, so it for me it comes as floods of 99 you know in malayalam tonutombadile vallapokkam so this uh, hap in that year the whole of that year it was the rainfall was above 3688 cm something like that and this time just during this period hmm. you know in this so period you know just weeks, two, yeah. two or three weeks hmm. itself it came to more than 2500 wow so you can't compare th- these two periods so i think the rain you know the extent of rainfall this time was you know if you take the average per day thing it was much more than what had happened in 1924 and 1924 people mm. had written about elephants uh, floating uh, in the right. deluge and also uh, various you know hillocks being swept mm. away and mm. all so i think you know this time none of these things happened despite the fact that the population level had uh, gone up so that rapidly so there was a better le- level of preparedness better level of uh, uh, rescue operations mm. preparedness i wouldn't say because preparedness also means that you factor in environmental uh, you know bring in sure. ty- uh, stricter environmental laws and, how and things, things like it. that but but uh, sorry you know um, that was a good explainer of you know the, the extent to of of what uh, happened mm. um, one more interesting bit from history i want to say you know just in 1341 until 1341 you know there were massive floods you know th- these are not recorded uh, entirely in history but you know like this is a mix of myth and uh, history but of course historians have to always deal with myths so uh, until 1341 you know when the jews were there and arabs arab traders and people from turkey and all used to trade you know uh, with kerala and carry spices from there you know through the spice route the actual port was a port called muziris which was also called patanam patanam it's a translation for city so this you know periya river which flooded this time again at that time flooded so much that you know it diverted its own course it so course. that it changed mm. course and muziris uh, no longer muziris uh, was wiped away and then kochi which is currently the kochi was formed as a port so it is almost considered a natural port uh, uh, because of the Uh, natural uh, you know because of the uh, change of course of periyar at mm. that time so after that you know jews uh, uh, shifted uh, which was why which is why if you go to kerala now the synagogues and all these things are in matanjeri which is close to Correct. where you had muziris so that was the first occasion when the re- recorded the in history was flooding and then came 1924 then Uh, is 2018 now. now we have an email actually which links to that by a, a mallu subscriber which i'll come to later but right now you know let's um, hear it from uh, dhanya whose team did a lot of reporting and reportage from there who is in palakkad right now you're uh, there reporting or on rescue efforts because you've done a lot of very good work dhanya first of all congratulations you've i've seen mobilized a lot of aid and relief and during the peak of the flood you were putting out on your platform and on your social media who can be contacted where who stuck so great job excellent 
Thank you. So what is happening at Palakkad right now? Waters have receded. What are you doing there? Yes, waters have receded in uh, almost all areas in Kerala. Now, of course, the whole concentration is on rebuilding and rehabilitation of people. Uh, there are, of course, people who have lost their houses completely in almost all districts. Palakkad, in fact, was not affected in the second bout of floods. But in the first uh, phase itself, which is from August 8th to 10th, around 300 to 500 people have lost their houses completely. So rebuilding is going to begin here. Uh, in other districts, rehabilitation and rebuilding is happening on war footing. Hundreds of people cannot even go back to their houses because, uh, you know, it, it's been damaged beyond repair. Right. And one huge problem that we're facing all over Kerala is reptiles all over the house. So, yes, because uh, they also... Snake catchers. Correct. They also go to dry place, right? All the snakes and lizards. Yes. In fact, there are houses where they've like recovered 35 to 40 snakes. So, it's finding it really difficult. The government is saying, take the snake catchers along with you. Take people who will look at your electrical wiring. Do not go and you know switch on things. Because there have been reports of people getting injured or one person even dying because of electric shock. Right. So, um, you know, Olek, you're also from Kerala. So, which part of Kerala are you from? I'm from Kannur, northern part of Kerala, which was unaffected by the floods largely, except for some uh, major landslide in one of those areas, uh, which right. are towards the Kannur eastern. Kannur also where the tea, tea gardens are? No, no, no. no. That's not it's, it's not. Okay, that's mm. a different. Kannur is known for other reasons, you know, mostly law yes, and order problems. a lot of and, yeah. uh, RSS mm. versus uh, CPM. <laughs> uh, by the way, Dhanya, Olek, yeah, you yeah, know each yeah, other? Yeah. You've, you've met? Yeah. Are you familiar yeah. with each other? Yeah, yeah. Yes, we are. Okay. So, um, you know, one question, in fact, we were discussing this yesterday. Maybe, Dhanya, you can tell us a little about it. If not, it's a story idea. Since you're closer, you can do it. I had, um, I forwarded that to the News Laundry Group podcast that I'd heard when, I think, Hurricane Katrina or Carolina, one of these hurricanes happened in US. Basically, the insurance damages so much that most private insurers don't insure those areas because those flood every year. But because it's a government-funded insurance because they have to insure those people. Like New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, something like that. Uh, So, we were just discussing in Indian um, insurance claims, flood or acts of gods are not covered or are covered and if they're not covered, what happens to these people? Because, I mean, imagine you're someone, let's say, who has a fleet of five taxis. You know, that guy is kind of just trying to make ends meet a taxi stand owner or something if these and his house is flooded what what happens do you know is 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 there a story there do you have any answers to that Actually, during the Chennai floods, we faced the issue i think for the first time here when a lot of cars were submerged in water houses but at that time uh, i think the insurance company insisted that people should not start the ignition and if they had filled the papers properly that they would give the insurance a lot of people did not get the money when the, certain things were not filled properly. But I think that experience was carried forward to the Kerala flood. The day after the floods happened, uh, people from Chennai were actually posting messages and telling people in Kerala how to fill the insurance forms. And I saw that at least four insurance companies had given advertisements in major Malayalam newspapers saying that take pictures of submerged cars, take pictures of your uh, houses, make sure you have photographic evidence of what happened. And they're given a set of rules as to what is to be done. And I saw many uh, social media influencers in Kerala also passing on this message. So hopefully we will not have too much trouble with insurance claims because insurance companies themselves came forward as to how people can make the claims efficiently. Right. Um, now, uh, you know, my third question is that there was a lot of debate. I mean, now we can discuss it a little more rationally under the cool head because earlier, of course, it's uh, inappropriate and also there's just so much happening. The dams being opened the way they were at 3 a.m. in the morning and the 
water level rising 20 feet i think overnight or 10 feet i saw the news today and there's an engineer something wilson who has said i challenge anyone to um, you know um, show how what we did was wrong what what uh, i saw the news report this morning but is there any clarity on the dams being opened uh, or that particular dam i forget the name there were there two dams right which mulla periyar one the other is idiki the, the one which is open at 3 am was uh, mulla periyar right I think it is so yeah. uh, so what was that uh, appropriate was that the only thing to do uh, has there been any clarity on that front let's see the first point is for example after the chennai flood which was easy to pinpoint that chembaramakkam dam was not open properly and there were not enough warnings but here the problem is around 36 dams were opened almost at the same time the same day so um the government has been saying that it's not only about dam opening but there was just too much water inflow despite the dam being opened for many days the water inflow actually did not come down on the rivers and the reservoirs the other point the government is making is that there are areas which have been flooded which do not even have you know dam water flowing through those districts it is generally rain water which had uh, which had accumulated in the rivers so this needs to perhaps a bit more in depth study i think the undp and others are also involved in it as to whether more red alerts uh, whether red alerts should be given earlier and uh, whether what is the more efficient system of telling people to evacuate as far as mullatheya dam is concerned that dam uh, is strange because it is situated within kerala but the administration is, is tamil under the tamil nadu government so right. it is tamil nadu government which had opened the dam so there is a conflict as to that dam could have been opened before uh, whether the tamil nadu should have allowed the, the the storage to reach 142 feet the case was going on in supreme court in 2014 after which tamil nadu was told that they can manage the dam and 142 is a safety level permissible so i think this is a huge lesson for both the kerala and tamil nadu government now sit together And really figure out as to where they went wrong. Should the alerts have been given earlier? Uh, is there a better system of water management? Right, um, Ulek. If you could just come in here, and after that, Dhania, you could come in on this also. Uh, you're a Malu, <laughs> and you're like you know the. Um, and I don't want to use social media as as the kind of uh, barometer or metric for any sort of commentary because it is kind of attracts the lowest of lows, even though it can be used very effectively as Dhania. and her team have demonstrated mm-hmm. but the negativity kind of dominates it but even so uh, because you know if you and i tweet you know who the fuck cares but if a politician or a leader you know puts mm. out a tweet or something mm. it matters is there a sense of um because i don't know i don't have a position on it that the uh, this whole kerala versus the north it is not being ignored what is your take on it do you think it is too much being made because of a few trolls they could be from either side or as as a mallu do you feel that you know your state was not given the kind of uh, attention it should have been given you know actually between politicians who matter actually between the chief minister and the prime minister and also between um, other senior officials and you know chief secretary of the government of kerala and various other officials who are very much involved in these activities i think there were proper um there was proper coordination and you know there wasn't even the interview that the chief minister had given two days back to the economic times and various other even including the indian express i don't think he had any complaints about the central government sure. or uh, any kind of um, lack of alacrity that um, people say in social media is shown by the hmm. central government against kerala but i think you know like it's not just the prime minister and it's not just uh, the home minister who is involved uh, 
uh, or who is uh, to be held responsible for whatever is said in the social media or offline or otherwise. People like um, Gurumurthy is an RSS activist. He's uh, also a, a member of the RBI board. I think, you know, the first tweet that came from uh, you know anyone uh, that mattered of you know like you know mm. uh, something that um, hurt the sentiments at a time when uh, peop- the state was grappling with floods and the whole tragedy which is unprecedented mm. in 100 years was you know like linking you know like he would have hundreds of opinions to give about you know like i didn't mean it this way i meant it in a different way and you know he has been doing it he has been at it afterwards you know when he was questioned about Thinking, you know, the whole um, uh, agitation or rather the movement in favor of uh, allowing women to enter the Shabrimala temple with the um, tragedy that happened. So to, to suggest that the God's curse is on the state and the people of the state and also a lot of others who have come out, you know, like it's not just the loony fringe that has been out there, uh, you know, working overtime to malign the culture, you know, dietary patterns, you know, the habits, um, cultural inclinations of the people of the state, you know, like this, you know, but, you know, I have to say that, you know, this has happened at a, in a different scale in 2005 when Kashmir earthquake happened. Hmm. But at that time, social media wasn't this shrill, you know, where people noticed this. But, you know, it's very unfortunate that senior leaders, senior uh, functionaries uh, owing allegiance to the uh, central government and the BJP were at it, you know. And even those people within Kerala, hmm. RSS activists, sure. you know, RSS has the, you know, if you look at the revenue state, RSS has the largest number of shakas in any state in Kerala. Right. But they didn't mobilize. Unlike, you know, RSS, you know, you, you I've, I've heard about stories from Latur. I've heard about stories from, Buj. I've been to Buj. Yeah. And you find RSS activists everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. they are. Uh, there to help with all kinds of uh, rescue efforts mm. because they have uh, you know it's it's a car based organization the Bhuj, uh, uh, earthquake they were the first the, respondents yeah because you know these were places where the shakas were yeah. very active and people were there they sure. were locals so here you know there were local people and in across kerala rss is active you know like uh, rss is organizationally the most powerful entity in kerala after the cpm mm much more organized than the Congress Party and the Muslim League and others. Mm. So they were not seen anywhere. I, I, but Denia can give a clearer picture because she was on the sure. ground. She mm. was. She had been going around. Maybe there were people... Mm. I'll just read out the the tweet you're referring to. Is S. Guru Murthy had said, Supreme Court judges may like to see if there is any connection between the case and what is happening in Sabrimala, even if one in a million chance of a link people would not like the case decided against Ayappan and this he's done retweeting Sabrima Ayappan temple if you permit no law is above God if you permit everyone he denies everyone hashtag Kerala flood that goes against the stand of the RSS because among uh, the political parties and, and the political entities the first ones to support the entry of women to Sabrimala was the RSS yeah although I'm not sure what RSS stands for because they've become Congress party. They kind of contort themselves, except when they have to appeal to the base. But could you just comment on that, um, Dhanya? A, what was the mobilization on the ground like? And was this negativity, Did does it, has it like kind of found its way into uh, Malayali mainstream uh, media uh, with some sort of a resentment or it's water off a duck's back, so to speak? Well, as far as uh, my understanding is the first two days and people were really busy on the ground 
uh, you know, trying to mobilize rescue and relief. They were not bothered about the negative messaging on social media. I mean, people could go on and on Facebook or Twitter um, spreading negative messages, but for people on the ground in Kerala, what was important was actually doing the work. But it's only now that, you know, everyone's back on social media and the rescue and relief, I mean, the relief now is being handled by the government. But the negative messaging I see is getting circulated more and more people are reacting to it. There is a toxic environment present now and it is completely unavoidable, right? For example, that audio which said, now, uh, one portion of the audio is correct. Yes, we need a lot of carpenters, painters, etc. to rebuild Kerala. But to say that poor people have not suffered, it's only the rich and upper middle class, is something so foolish and so unacceptable. And just because someone says something in English in a calm way, hundreds and thousands of others simply forward it and believe it, hmm. I think that is the problem. Right. And and what was the coverage like? You said that uh, I, I saw that the I think News Minute carried an article, right? The Malayalam uh, electronic media didn't break for ads. I mean, I saw before, um, you know, even before Vajpayee ji died, there was um, they were doing major coverage of the because uh, they have Sneha Koshi there. So it was the only channel that was really doing a, a lot of coverage. But uh, no, I know no, Dhania, Network 18 did Network 18 also did. Mm-hmm. Dhania, you've had this um, complaint with Delhi media that they only focus on you know Raj Ghat flooded or Parliament House flooded. This time, do, do you think that the coverage given, considering the magnitude of the disaster, was adequate both? Um, regionally and nationally among English media if I could call it national that is well I stopped watching television but from whatever I understood um, there were a few channels like Ullex or NTGV and Network 18 I think were covering this quite uh, well right from the beginning I, I saw that Mirror now had back to back coverage for at least four days there many reporters posted on the ground so uh, I think people did cover a lot but the initial resentment was because August 15th and 16th when the heavy flooding was happening uh, people believed that the national media could have spoken more which in turn many people believe would have led to more uh, na- naval forces or more NDRF being brought into Kerala. Right. Uh, what do you think Kulik on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, initially it, it's often, uh, you know, journalists tend to be preoccupied more with what happens in urban centers and also centers of power like Delhi yeah, more than other places. So, you know, um, so I, I don't, I mean, I have complaints that, you know, certainly uh, there could have been more coverage, but then it par for the course uh, uh, as regards television journalism in India. And, you know, we have, you know, this happens, you know, when there is a heightened level of awareness and then uh, only the national channels start picking up new stories. So it's it's not uh, anything unusual. I don't see anything was very no, deadly. Uh, if I can just interrupt you. Kerala has a very robust, uh, you know, television network. Mm. So as far as coordinating relief or rescue on ground is concerned, I think Kerala is very happy with whatever Malayalam channels were doing. So no one's expecting English or Hindi channels to actually tell you someone stuck in Aluwa needs help or a boat has to reach Chengdu. That kind of things were being done by the Malayalam media. What they expect the national media to do is to convey to a larger audience how big the problem is, what the scale of the floods are, which many believe that if they had done it earlier, Kerala would have got more help, more rescue teams would have been sent. But from whatever I saw on the ground, I mean, I've been uh, here from August 8th when the first flooding was happened. I did see a lot, lot of national channel reporters on the ground itself. I'm not sure how much of it was on television, but at least two or three networks did do a lot of justice to whatever coverage they could. 
you know when it comes when it comes to government to government level coordination the chief minister was here in the first week of uh, august and uh, he had gone to meet the um, prime minister and the, and within a few days prime minister sent uh, kiran riju um and later uh, rajnath singh and i think you know at the central level they were very much aware of the gravity and extent sure. of the situation mm. um the flood situation that was there and also you know about the rainfall uh, forecast they were aware of it mm. which i think you know i sp- i speak to a lot of ministers um there you know and contrary to what you see in the social media i mean that is because uh, there are a lot of people you know who who are pro sang who happen to be out there you know maligning the state for its cultural ways and all i think at the government to government level that you doesn't know, exist that that's did not, not exist well, that, that and the 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 ministers in the state except for a few people others don't have much of complaints and they have not you know these are not people who would want to hide their emotions and then hold on to whatever feelings they have you know these are people who are highly vocal if they have any complaints sure, they themselves have said that the politics has started now i saw the congress party in kerala has held a uh, press conference but in the press conference that the chief minister held yesterday he mm. cut them to size giving all the facts you know fact right. by fact and even you know not worth you know one of the best interviews that everyone should watch is an interview with the chief of the kerala state Ele- electricity board that was mm. out in one of the channels yesterday it was in malayalam of course and i'm sure you know people might um, now start translated. in translated or maybe in english channels might do interviews sure. where he busts a lot of claims about um, you know the timing of uh, the release of water from the dams and I see. Uh, so you know there was a jnu professor who came out uh, you know someone who is an expert on disaster management who came out and said that you know everything uh, about crisis management in kerala was uh, you know it was almost zilch you know suggesting as you know as if she was there to watch all these things you know we have to confront facts you know you sure. have to question facts that are given by people not just you know come out with sure. uh, you know these kind of baseless allegations okay um dhanya we let you go before you go um, anything our audience should know that that media has not been able to communicate or any any message that they, what they can do if they want to help or anything else you want to share well i think the government is obviously looking for funds for rebuilding houses so uh, they can contribute to that every district there are collections happening so that would be a great thing to do now for people in kerala the rebuilding of houses if you can contribute uh, that will be a great exercise and uh, keep up the good work good luck and thank you so before we move on anand you know you have something to add on this issue uh, before i read the email of the subscriber Yes, uh, it's a few general points, not very specific to Kerala, but uh, uh, distress politics over uh, the allocation of resources or relief material or uh, budget. So, or even uh, the allegations that the national media was indifferent, they may be right in their own uh, ways, but I think uh, that uh, it i wish it does not happen but if uh, floods become annual banality in kerala like they are in uh, assam or bihar bihar kosi uh, river every year the same thing every year where a certain number of deaths which are not no small in number happen every year 
then people even in the new cycle get accustomed to it mm. it is making lot of waves because it's not an annual banality in kerala right so that is one thing that means uh, i am not uh, belittling it but mm. the severity of uh, the suffering which is used but uh, i'm trying to just understand that uh, the annual banality has not set in that's why the reactions are such and even the politicization of it right uh, second is guru murthy's comment now it is it was couched in religious phraseology Uh, but i think it's a, a general extension of the fatalist or karmic way of looking at disasters in india mm. and it has a history and though he didn't coach it in religious terms in 1934 mahatma gandhi after the bihar Amen. earthquake said that it's a chastise kind of chastisement for our moral failings and mr lalu prasad yadav made light of uh, floods uh, with uh, uh, a very hilarious remark that you should be happy that gangama has come to your uh, doors and you should face and be happy so uh, i think it's a general problem of looking at disasters in a karmic way or or, or uh, so and uh, mr grumurthy's uh, for the position is problematic i am not defending him but i'm just trying to explain uh, actually how it's not just to disaster i remember i was shooting a documentary film i may have said this earlier hmm. in the hafta in rajasthan it was on water and i was in this place called rohitgarh i think or just near rohitgarh or maybe i was in uh, bhikampura and you know there was this old man 70 years old and one of these basically uh, uh, rajender singh was launching tarun bharat sang and gaj singh is one of the trustees and so there are a lot of these royals there and one of these local little royals walked in and this 70 year old guy walked in ke outside he was sitting outside he just kind of prostrated himself there and i said that uh, you know tau you are like 70 80 years old and that boy is 24 like what is this i mean he says no this is our lot in life this is where i am born and this is what i have to do and all this equality that you talk about nonsense i could not explain to him why it's problematic because this whole karmic thing mm. is so deeply internalized that uh, i was offended by what he did for on his behalf but he wasn't offended and uh, uh, lastly just uh, i just because of that i am not more qualified to speak on it but uh, i have been a victim of floods i had uh, i spent in my adolescent 17 days on a rooftop because of floods is the annual kosi flooding that happens in bihar every uh, year my father was posted in a very rural place and mm. it was affected by floods so we had to spend 17 days mm. so my experience is that that uh, with all the flood relief material coming things about food and water get easy but uh, the sanitation becomes a major problem and uh, as ullekh was uh, or dhanya was saying that about like also a part uh, discharge excretion uh, right. snake bites mm. snake bites now these are the and post flood reconstruction these are the major problems that people will face and what really can be reconstructed uh, yes. in fact the i think 10000 kilometers of roads been washed away that's like a huge amount yeah. also uh, as ullekh correctly pointed out that at the government to government level governments governance the bureaucratic setup in south block or in thiruvananthapuram they are continuing 
entities. They will not obstruct floods because of regional or national politics. So, mm. uh, so at that level, there is an understanding. Still, India has that understanding at that top bureaucratic level. And this. so Ulek was right in saying that uh, these are not problems at the top level. Sure. But uh, dog whistling and this, these are mm. problems of this. So I'll just read this email from Abhilash Narayan. Hi, News on your team. This is my first email and probably the last one to you. Last week's Hafta was one of the most appalling Hafta I have heard and I have been a listener of Hafta from the very beginning. First of all, calling Kerala flood disaster man-made was extremely distasteful. I agree there were a lot of things that contributed to complicate matters, but for example, deforestation and encroachment has probably continued to to a lot of cases of landslide for sure, has contributed to a lot of cases, but the incessant rainfall, which was the main reason for the flood, was definitely not man-made. Unless you guys subscribe to the notion that it was because of beef-eating subliminal. <laughs> no, we don't. We leave that to Chakrapani ji, who's getting a lot of airtime these days. Nonsensical person he is. Then, uh, um, you know, Abhilash goes on to say, Casting aspersions during this time of need makes you guys no different from North Korean media channels, which either devotees, which, sorry, which either devotes little or no time in covering the flood or uses the opportunity in scoring brownie points by poking fun of the government people of Kerala. If you can't help, at least stop trying to make it look like the state deserved it. So I'll just break here. Abhilash, I don't believe that's what we did in last hafta. I don't know why you're getting this feeling. Um, you know, I have full sympathy for you. If, you know, I'm sure you've been personally affected, but uh, you should try not to overreact and say stuff which is completely uh, false, that we made it look like the state deserved it. If you could quote who said anything of the sort, I would be happy to use that quote. But keeping in mind your distress is a lot more than mine. I would like to remind you, being in distress is not an excuse to make allegations that are not accurate. Secondly, it was funny to hear you guys claim that the PM speech probably drowned out the flood-related news in the media when you guys yourself covered it during the last 10 minutes of the one-hour, 20-plus minute episode. That too after covering things like death of Naipaul after claiming he was probably relevant 10 years ago. After hearing the episode, I want to threaten that I will not be supporting News Laundry anymore once my subscription expires. But I won't claim that because that won't solve anything and the country needs independent media now more than ever. I will still support NL, but Hafta has definitely lost a loyal listener. Regards, Amallu. So, Abhilash Narayan, Amallu, uh, thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough for the spirit of yours that independent media needs to be supported. And I um, respect you for it and I laud you for it. Um, I hope we don't lose you and I hope you come back. We have a Mallu sitting here. I think you may have confused us with someone else. Uh, and the other thing, uh, you know, you said about we don't cover it and we discuss the coverage here. That's what the Hafta is. It's more a media crit and a opinion kind of podcast. If we had the resources, we'd love to have had a few reporters on the ground there. We don't right now, but hopefully with the support of people like you, we will one day. And secondly, the order in which you discuss things has nothing to do with the hierarchy. Sometimes it leaves the most important thing for the end because, you know, it may go on longer. So thanks for your email. Thanks for your support. And, um, you know, I don't believe we did what you are accusing us of having done. But thanks nevertheless. Yes, Manisha, you have something to say before we move on to Vajpayee on whom Mr. Lake has written a book. Yeah, I think um, I just wanted to make one point on Delhi media's coverage versus um, media in Kerala. So between August 9th and August 15th is when things were really bad in Kerala. That's when they received like 250% excess of rainfall, which is insane. And by August 15th, 16th, more than 100 people had died. And what you saw in Delhi media, you except for NDTV, CNN News 18 and a little bit of Mirror Now, they, it didn't receive the kind of focus it should have. 
even hmm. on Republic, you had stupid prime time. You didn't have a single prime time between August 9th and August 15th on a channel like Republic. Contrast this with Malayalam uh, news channels like Asianet. These guys were on the ball from August 9th. And we woke up and that is probably why even on Hafta we didn't um, discuss it to the extent we should have because television media really, whatever we were receiving in Delhi, paled in comparison to what was really happening when you now look at what was being covered on Malayalam channels. Mm. And there have been a lot of people, I, I'm, I don't understand the language so I don't know much, but there, and I'm sure Ullik would agree that a lot of people have come out and said that channels there did a stellar job reporting without any... Uh, sensationalism, doubling up their newsrooms as control rooms to help with relief. And you have a channel like Asianet, which is also owned by Rajiv uh, Chandrasekharan, who has stakes in Republic. So channels like Republic could very well have taken feed from there right. and actually have been the first ones to report on this because they have uh, people on the ground and a good network. Asianet is. No, I think they were they network. were reporting on Lutian's mafia. Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's really not. There's no excuse for the sort of. Um, coverage that it didn't receive at all. In fact, we woke up after uh, ABP was cremated. Once the cremation was done is when the focus here really shifted to what was happening in Kerala. And by that time, enough had happened, like the worst had passed. So that's one thing. And also on just on uh, the letter where, uh, you know, on this whether it's man-made versus uh, natural, I think even in Uttarakhand floods, it's true that there was a freak rainfall. But it is also true that a lot of the damage is man-made. A lot of because of rampant construction, because of the because of the way 22 dams were opened up, and our dams don't have the sort of safety precaution measures that they should. They don't live up to the standards of you know what should happen when a flooding occurs. And you've had people now say that Goa will suffer the same fate as Kerala in case of a freak rain. So it is true that you know while it is a it is a freak sort of climate change. Um, occurrence of freak rainfalls like this and they'll happen more and more but we've also done we're not helping the cause in the way that we have gone about uh, you know Constructing. our environmental policies and pointing that out doesn't mean we are not empathetic to what's happened to people who are suffering Yeah, uh, just. but those questions have to be asked of the government at least and we have to be more prepared sure and also you know, as we're recording this uh, Hafta there is heavy rain alert in Uttarakhand and there are images coming of uh, overflow of rivers onto roads with some bridges being submerged and even uh, southern Karnataka. I'll uh, I'll just move on to Atal Bihari Vajpayee. Before I come on to specifics of, you know, I'd like to know what the panel thinks of him as a prime minister. I want to just discuss for bigger picture a, a debate that, you know, I've had with, you know, my peers and uh, other news professionals in the past, especially when uh, Bal Thakre died. When a big leader dies, and, um, you know, we can start with you, Anand, and then Ullek and Manisha. Should... Uh, you wrote a p- p- an essay on Vajpayee uh, for News Laundry, uh, Anand, when he died. And a very ba- well-balanced piece and well-written. Thank you for that. But I read some pieces that really painted Vajpayee in horrible light. Uh, but then I also read pieces that painted him as, you know, the best thing that happened since, <laughs> you know, the sun was created after the Big Bang. How, how... <laughs> I mean, that is someone... also disputed. Big Bang here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I just want to know: when someone dies, is it culturally? Uh, is is it a cultural kind of trait of ours that we should not say unkind things? Or how do you think an obituary or when a big leader dies, is it okay to also have bits about people who think he was horrible and people who think he was nice? Like I just want to know your view, uh, Anand, Olek, uh, and Manisha. I think uh, immediate. Uh, and the day he dies, the obituaries are swayed by emotion more. Hmm. Uh, but if you uh, let it settle in, you are more ready to say things that you would not have said instantly. Hmm. 
सो दैट इज वन थिंग वन बिग प्रॉब्लम वॉज ऑल्सो दैट इन नेम ऑफ वाजपेयी पीपल वेर राइटिंग अकाउंट्स ऑफ समन एल्स लाइक नेहरू मोदी और समन दे वेर नॉट राइटिंग वाजपेयी बट बट हाउ यू सो दैट वॉज ऑल्सो अ प्रॉब्लम सो थर्ड थिंग इज आई फाउंड इट आई मे बी नीट पिकिंग बट आई थिंक इट्स इम्पॉर्टेंट इन पॉलिटिकल लेक्सिकोग्राफी दैट आई वुड डिस्क्राइब वाजपेयी नॉट विद इन बाइनरीज ऑफ से द डिबेट्स दैट नाउ आर फ्रेम्ड लिबरल एंड एंड राइट विंग एंड दिस सो द करेक्ट वे ऑफ एक्सप्लेनिंग हिम आई थॉट वॉज मॉडरेट मॉडरेट टू विद इन राइट विंग मॉडरेट विद इन द कंजर्वेटिव पॉलिटिक्स नॉट वाई यू नीड टू डिराइव the from a binary that let mm. let us declare him a liberal right. or later so because you are fixing some innate virtuosity to the either poles of the binary mm. so uh, i think uh, people should have been more careful of uh, in describing uh, in using the word moderate on so uh, that is it um, yes now let me ask your view how um, fawning or critical should an obit be Uh, it, it it so happens that you know like i agree completely with him when he said uh, that on the day when uh, someone dies you always have uh, you know you, you uh, don't talk about uh, his negatives or rather minuses or you know mm. you highlight his pluses you know as a politician as a statesman Uh, and it happened it happens with everyone you know it happened with um, karunanidhi you know like i'm not a great admirer of karunanidhi but when he died uh, people showered him with praises you know mm. like but yeah. if you're uh, someone who is a, a nobit writer who would write a week uh, after his death you know which i haven't found any article like that on karunanidhi mm. Uh, you will uh, you know try to um, examine him uh, from a historical point of view but uh, in the case of wajpay uh, like you said you know that you know that maybe because he was bedridden and you know he had been ailing for a long time and he had been in a, a very uh, debilitating state people had taken that liberty of trying to examine him uh, even those aspects that they found are not you know mm. like very favorable to him right. you know so that instantly also some such articles that appeared even from those people who were uh, who had covered him closely and who had known him very closely and you know like there was an article by Nina Vyas i found it very interesting Nina Vyas Nina Vyas mm. she had covered uh, the bjp for a long time so you know i agree uh, a lot with what she had to say that you know uh, to uh, project himself as someone who um, is is a, con- a wrong man in the right party or a right man in the wrong party or you know that is that you're missing the point right. he was he belonged to the he, he created came, the party yes he created <laughs> he came from you know he worked um, and uh, i i mean briefly worked in asf which was the student organization of the cpi undivided communist party but he had always even prior to that he was a he was a uh, sevak swayam sevak and he had worked in ardi samaj so he was groomed in that you know uh, what now we call the hindutva nursery so he continued to be extremely loyal to uh, that philosophy sun, yeah. 
um, but he i mean within those limitations of being a conservative politician he tried to overcome a lot of odds that were associated with uh, his party and the limitations uh, that um, almost hobbled the growth of these parties right. you know the political arm of the um, of the rss um, at that time first it was uh, janasang and then came the bjp mm. and you know he took uh, the liberty he experimented with various forms of politics like from swadeshi you know then he became the greatest modernizer you know embracing liberalization yes. later so you know most important thing about his politics is that he understood maybe thanks to uh, his early interaction at a young age with great statesmen of the repute of nehru and others whom he worshiped you know in mm. the sense for him uh, nehru uh, partially was an unstated idol mm. and he had said in uh, uh, you know very many terms that he used to call him a, a person with a split personality a mix of Chamber- chamberlain and churchill uh, pandit nehru never uh, responded to those kind of allegations that took a, a liking to Vajpayee. So naturally when such a thing happens, you know, like someone from a provincial background comes to Delhi and he's actually, you know, a product of the much re- now much reviled Latin's Delhi. So he lived in, you know, he contested the elections first in 1953, lost it and then uh, 57 he won from Balrampur. And he was in Lutians ever since. <laughs> ever since. <laughs> uh, though he lost elections in 1962 and 84, he was back in Sabha in 1960 to itself and you know after a gap of two years in 86 he came back to Raj Sabha yeah, so, so his thing is he understood more than any other politician from the opposition at that time that there is something there is an importance for great importance that needed to be given to a love as an emotion in politics and I think but personality also has a lot to do with it in the sense that he he had a personality which was he, he was very fond of poetry and reading and mm. I, I, you know someone had once told me that never you know expect too much of a person as far as a personality is concerned, who doesn't have interests other than what he or she does. Mm. Uh, so, you know, politicians who aren't interested in anything except politics. And I've kind of tested that and I don't, I don't want to do the same thing that a lot of politicians did using Vajpayee to start bashing Nehru or bashing Modi. But one thing that he had, which not many politicians have, is a huge interest in a lot of other things other than politics. Yeah. And I think that's what made him more, th- that whole moderate kind of thing. But I completely agree. Someone whose life choice has been the RSS mm. and he did not make a speech like RSS is my mother or anything like Modi but he did say something along the same lines that I'm a Sanghi for said many things mm. in praise of RSS I, no yes. basically he identified my, himself as a karikarta before anything else that was his primary identity so mm. he yes, has said yes, that yes. and if that is your life choice you can't you know, and even as, when he was prime minister, when he went to the US, he said that uh, uh, once a Swayam Sevak, always a Exactly. So, Manisha, yeah, what that is your... That would be also demeaning his legacy because exactly. he, he, you are, uh, you are uh, discrediting what he stood for. You are stripping him of uh, an identity and, that he wanted. Uh, hmm. You are attributing something else to him. Sure. Uh, All, yeah. Huh, Manisha? I, I don't think objects necessarily have to be nice, uh, but I also think they shouldn't get into the... It shouldn't be personal. Like a lot of the objects you read was clearly a dislike because you dislike Hindu nationalism. I think that sort of then it doesn't give you a good 
broad perspective of who that person is so like who lakes at placing someone in a historical context is what i'd expect of an arun orbit and my my one of my favorite orbits was actually by winner sitapati in indian express where he said that he will be most remembered for balancing two ideas of india the nehruvian liberal and the hindu nationalist and he was able to do that because he became a bit of both hmm. so i i think that kind of for me that really summed up the complex person that he was Sure. one hmm. thing so hmm. uh, also i think his apart from uh, what ulek rightly pointed out his embrace of moderation was also something had also something to do with the turf war within the jansang when he had to wrest the control of the party from a hardliner like balraj madhok hmm. in late 60s now but he didn't uh, forgo the core jansang ideology for mm. that and in say 80s when he founded uh, the bharatiya janata party now his embrace of say gandhian socialism as uh, one of the points which he had to forgo because uh, it was uh, impractical for the world had uh, changed too the much the world had changed mm. so what i see vajpayee uh, in 90s is a hiatus because of the momentum created by the uh, uh, by ayodhya movement of identity politics he was a hiatus and a product of coalition politics that uh, was an outcome uh, of that age raised yeah. that bjp had to uh, project him to gain coalition partners mm-hmm. and also to offer to the electorate something beyond ayodhya movement which had entered a diminishing returns phase mm-hmm. now after that he didn't facilitate coming uh, in coming into south block he didn't facilitate the consolidation the consolidation of ayodhya movement into uh, uh, say a larger movement or identity mobilization now i think bjp has to be grateful to vajpayee for uh, giving it a uh, uh, stint in the governance in 90s but vajpayee also has to thank bjp for creating that platform that swell of where it could hope to form a government well no, more than the bjp i think he has to thank the rss for that hmm. because i mean he he founded he f- he, he founded the bjp but also the R- i mean i don't know this to what extent it's true i've quoted this on the hafta i met hmm. uh, someone who's fairly important in the rss in banaras and that person with a swagger was saying that the reason vajpayee lost in 2004 was because we didn't support him because the rss cadre were not active in trying to get votes yes. for him and uh, that's because he was not he didn't use the word pandering but he was not walking the line we wanted him to walk and that is what i think uh, and olek you correct me if i'm wrong because you've done a lot more research on him he had the personality and the confidence to push back which i don't think many other political leaders of the bjp have because mm. without that base mm. they are nothing Vajpayee had the kind of like for example someone like me who a used to hate voting and i you know first time i voted after a very long time after i voted Vajpayee was i think in 2014 13 or something when mm. the delhi state election happened mm. uh, because of course i always say that if you want to engage with democracy do it through rti you know i used to file rti all over the place and you could question but a man like Vajpayee could make me vote i voted Vajpayee you know and personalities are important he had the humility and the self confidence to go and tell mamta's mother aapki ladki badi pareshan karti hai mujhe mm-hmm. you know cuz she mm-hmm. keep throwing a tantrum in the nda mm-hmm. i think not many prime ministers have that confidence mm-hmm. and that humility that they'll go there they say oh main chota lagunga you know i'll i'll look like i'm weak mm-hmm. that is something that 
Vajpayee's personality had, and not many personalities have that confidence. Mm, yeah, even uh, even uh, in the late sixties or even the early sixties, you know, Vajpayee even after the humiliating defeat of India, the hands of the Chinese, Vajpayee was a uh, Vajpayee went to meet Pandit Nehru along with two other members of uh, Janasangh and uh, demanded a discussion on the issue. And you know, ironically, after the Kargil War, he denied the opposition uh, the right to debate. You know, so. But what I'm saying is they and he made, you know, very scathing attack on Pandit Nehru at that time. But even then, you know, like he didn't want, you know, Belram Madok made a speech about uh, Nehru in, in bad taste. You know, like hmm. you when you talk politics, you talk politics, not, hmm. you know, talk about the personal attributes of the person or, you know, talk about, uh, you know, nasty things, you know. So he disagreed with um, Balraj Madok publicly, even inside parliament. Right. So Balraj Madok has written about it. Uh, no, Vajpayee never talked about it. So, you know, later on, you know, I also met, you know, I was lucky enough to meet Balraj Madok before he died, you know, when I started working on the book. Mm. So there were several occasions when, you know, even, you know, there were leaders within the RSS at that time who were accommodative of others' opinions, if not of uh, their ideologies, you know. And they could push back push, to even, the base. Yeah, even mm. Deen Dayal were there. He used to have very close friendships with communists because he... he thought you know certain parts of the carter based system and you know the simplicity everything is something that can be you know emulated you know and uh, they should be respected and Vajpayee belonged to that school of thought even Datopan Tankidi who passed away you know was very friendly and you know used to he in fact was uh, uh, used to work under Dange when Dange was a Dange was a late CPI leader okay. you know I'm one of the tallest leaders okay. you know from based in Bombay, based in Bombay. Okay. He was Ma- the general Ma- secretary of the CPI at one point. Okay. Right? Marathi. Mara- Maharashtrian. Okay. So, all these people, so he, so Dange used to say that, you know, uh, this man, Tangiri is our contribution to the RSS. So, anyway, those people had, so he was, he was a product of that kind of a thinking within the RSS and Janasang at that time, as opposed to a lot of others. Yeah, but so, he pushed for, pushed for that kind of a, you know, flexible style of politics. But more than, I think, a product, I think, like I said, his personalities, I mean, even, for example, Advani is a product of that same age, that same, you know, environment. And same influences, kind of. But, uh, yeah, but, but Advani was but, different. I mean, he's always come across as a man who's more petty, who's more insecure, whose only relevance is the party. I mean, if that didn't happen, he mm. he would not know what to do with himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why, even in spite of repeated humiliation, he doesn't have the guts to speak out today. <laughs> so, I mean, Advani has never come across to me of the stature. Often they were compared. I often thought there was no comparison. No, I mean, no, no uh, comparison. Advani, f- I don't for think me, is a pygmy compared think, to yeah. But, you know, just uh, before no, we no, move no. on. Now, I just want to make a point about his relationship with RSS. Hmm. He had the courage, moral courage, to def, uh, you know defer with the RSS leadership, but the RSS leadership at that time, you know, m- perhaps they re- understood that Vajpayee, they needed Vajpayee, you know, especially in a political arm, uh, not in organizational matters, which he wasn't very focused on. So. After the crisis of the dual membership in Jansang and after the formation of the BJP, Vajpayee wanted to create, you know, make BJP into a democratic equivalent of uh, the Congress party. He wanted to 
do that and he had uh, strong arguments and disagreements with uh, Devras ji at that time and Devras agreed yeah I mean you take your route you know BJP is yours so when in 1984 when he lost the elections and it was a very resounding defeat he went back to Devras and Devras was the person who said yeah okay uh, do whatever you want to do so then came this hardline aggressive uh, Hindutva posturing and he uh, did not completely he couldn't completely identify himself with that kind of a politics and then Advani became the leader but whenever the BJP or the RSS was in crisis uh, be it in, in the aftermath of uh, the demolition of Babri Masjid or when uh, he ne- when the party needed a face to appeal mm. uh, uh, sure. you know to, towards to appeal to a larger section of people even to control the uh, for, for basically th- larger acceptance he was the man forward and he was not a pushover either. I mean, what he did to Govinda Acharya overnight, mm. a man who was so powerful in the party and the RSS because he made that Mukhota comment. Oh, those of you who don't remember, Govinda Acharya was a very important and influential person mm. during the India. Ideologue. Mm. Uh, sorry, BJP ideologue. General Secretary yeah. and also the RSS uh, point person in and that exactly. BJP. Exactly. And, and he said that uh, Atal is just the Mukhota mm. uh, because, you know, he was seen as the moderate and I think that was the end of him and he was subject to irrelevance mm. which he has not been now able to come out of Now he says that since. he just said Adil, Waj, Adil Bihari Vajpayee is just the face yeah. of the BJP. So anyway, so that is the kind of man he was. But you know, uh, one critique I have of both journalists and commentators and news professionals and writers when they're writing about any leader is that, you know, I mean, just two things. One thing I want to say that when a person's just died, one shouldn't say, you know, two nasty things. I guess that only applies to political leaders because it definitely doesn't apply to, you know, if a Saddam Hussein dies. It depends on who's controlling the narrative. (laughs) Uh, Like, it doesn't apply to when someone who, there is still a split opinion whether he was a terrorist or was not a terrorist is hanged. And if someone writes a nice orbit about him, that was, oh, look what he's doing. So, I'm not sure that logic applies to everyone because it's a bit convenient when it when it applies. Like, for example, uh, who was... Uh, I, I'm so bad with names. Uh, Manisha, remind me, who was hanged for uh, on charge of terrorism when Indian Express ran a headline and everyone lost their shit? Yakub, Yakub. Yeah, so, you know... So, so and I think, they hanged him. Yeah, so, I, 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 so I'm not convinced that logic applies. I think that logic applies when one wants to apply it to people one is sympathetic about. But, but you know, there are... There are poli- but there, even in politicians, like someone like a Bal Thakre, can you really just write glowing orbits exactly. about him. Like, the, yeah, you have to assess what he exactly, also that's for point. in his lifetime. There, there, there are a lot of things which is exactly the point has come to. What is What defines you? What defines your rule or your age? But more than that, what disappoints me uh, is that either people who are you know too nice or too critical. Like I saw a lot of people just shared that video of Vajpayee you know that famous ki zameen sabaat karni hogi. He basically, oh, yeah. it was a very clever dog whistle. He was talking about we have to have a level playing field if you're going to discuss whether the temple should be there or not. Uh, that was made on mm. 5th of December in Lucknow. I mean, yeah. So when he said zameen sabaat karni hogi, it was obviously also a kind of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, ki sala, bring down the, I mean, you could, and they said this is the man he was. He was as bad as any, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, I think, I forget which film this dialogue is from where this guy is complaining to the king that then this so-and-so died, you made such and such decision, you did this. So he looks at that guy and says, your ma- I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but basically it's along the lines that your choices and philosophical and moral takes are as a citizen, I have to be king. And that summed it up because, you know what triage is, for those of you who are not listening, triage is a medical term that when you know the doctor is performing, if there are 10 people there, one is without a leg, one's liver is popping out, one's brain is, the doctor has 
X amount of nurses, X amount of medicines, X amount of resources, and X amount of time. He decides who does he treat. He can't treat all, you know, ten mm. or twelve. So that that is called triage. Now the person who he feels or she feels, the doctor, depending on if it's male or female, decides this guy cannot live. That guy can. They'll pick that guy because they're certain this guy is not going to be able to make it. Mm. That guy's relatives will think, oh, so you because of you, my husband, father, mother, sister, brother died. For a leader who's making decisions with limited resources, limited everything, and at the same time balancing staying in power, every decision is a triage. Building a dam is a triage. You know, ordering firing on a group of protesters is a triage. Deciding, so there will always be you know people who would directly have died because of an action of you know. For example, there are parts of this country where Manmohan Singh is seen as a murderer. And I've been to those parts. You know, when the SEZs were announced mm. and those is la- large land grabs happened, you know, I had gone with a friend and I spent some time with one of these tribes that was uprooted. So there were deaths there because you know those guys had never lived anywhere except there, and suddenly they were in this alien land which they could not farm, they couldn't do jack shit. But so. Whereas you and me, what is the biggest decision we have to take? Who who do I fire? Who do I hire? <laughs> you know, whether I get my niece this toy or that toy. So I just find applying our moral kind of parameter to someone whose decisions are so big and profound is childish. And I find a lot of that among yeah. people who should know better. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, Anand. Yes, I mean, sir, I think he would have been very comfortable being identified as... A a politician of conservative extreme that was his life hmm. so he didn't ask you to identify him like that and that hmm. so uh, because that is his legacy main legacy second i was coming to this 2004 thing i think uh, i am just linking into something contemporary i think this uh, uh, psyche the control freak psyche in modi of controlling the party hmm. comes from vajpayee's uh, failings to con- have uh, a count control over his party despite his all India popularity mm. hmm. he was very popular but couldn't control his party and this psyche in Modi and he didn't make Modi fall in line so hmm. uh, this psyche in him can be also traced to that that here was a prime minister popular but had had no control over his party Com- so that, yeah. that means not complete control. That that is maybe it's like Macbeth, yes. no? Like yes. when you king kill King Duncan. Mm. I'm not saying Modi's done that, but what I'm saying is, but then he had to kill Banco because mm. he was dude what I did to Duncan. Banco could do to me. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that no, same thing. Uh, 2002 April Goa conclave of the BJP, where it was um, mm. expected that uh, Vajpayee would, you know, like uh, that Modi would have would uh, resign as a decision would be taken that Modi sacked or something mm. like that but you know like Vajpayee realized that he was being um, opposed by a large section of his party men and who wanted Modi to stay and mm. then he was being uh, outdone by his rivals within the party he chose not he could have launched into an attack he could assertive. have been in he an offensive and uh, yeah he could have been assertive and maybe perhaps because of his moral superiority over a lot of others he would have got away Right. But he didn't choose to do that because it was not in him to be a confrontationist with his party. Right. Uh, you know, he uh, disagreed with the RSS, he disagreed, but he did it in a very subtle way. He didn't go for a major confrontation. Even when he had different opinion with Moraji Dejai when they were in government, he never went for a direct confrontation. That in was fact, the st- episode that you're talking about, Arun Shori gave the full details mm-hmm. of that in uh-huh. that interview that... 
the aircraft and they went uh. Vajpayee and Advani would not talk to each other and they were literally and then once he was sitting on stage uh, Modi said that I'll resign, resign myself yeah. and of course it was choreographed you know many people said no there's no way he'll resign and he shouted at is Vajpayee just sat there and looked and of course he knew that this is a choreography that has happened yeah. but he decided not to push back so uh. hmm. and last a very trivial thing after all this heavy discussion but it, it it's a trivial but I think it's an important thing is the importance of fitness in political leaders mm. I don't think he uh, kept very good care of his health mm. yes and uh, even if VJP would have won 2004 election it was highly unlikely he would have continued for long because mm. in last years of his prime ministership he was uh, means in ineffective phys- physically in fact I and am, sorry go ahead yeah. I, I was uh, had the good fortune of meeting him. There was an event at, um, there was this auditorium, I think it's a defense auditorium in Dhola Kuma. I don't know what the event was, I forget. And he was coming to meet, I don't know who was at the other end. I think someone had died and it was a Shok Sabha. But the protocol required him to come across because that other person was sitting, although he was PM. Mm. And I remember it was so awkward because it took him like eight minutes to cross that room and everyone just standing around waiting for him to walk. Because mm. he, w- he used to walk like, each step was about five centimeters. It was mm. like this little, uh, like penguin walk. Yeah. And I was like, dude, this guy can't even yeah, walk. I just He's want a to add to country, what Anand said, you know, because about health, he was very reckless with his health, mm. not just because of his, uh, you know, eating habits and, you know, uh, to a large extent uh, for a long time, even he was a drinker, you know. Mm. So, but even when it came to, he, he used to feel dizzy yeah, around 2004 when he was prime minister, you know, apart from his mm. uh, knee issues. So, he was taken um, to a, to a, for a, a, a CT scan test and then he refused to do it because he said, I don't want to go into a machine. So, you know, so okay. the diagnosis was not done and he wow. had a cerebr- okay. massive stroke uh, five years later in 2009. Oh, yeah, it could have been prevented. Had it he could have been prevented. Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing, is, the yeah. whole not taking care of health. Yeah. So in fact, we were discussing this about someone else who's insulin <laughs> levels. But, um, okay, I just, uh, you want something to say, Manisha, before I move on to Pakistan? No. Okay, so why don't you come in first here? This whole hug. Uh, context giving uh, what happened was Imran Khan was sworn in as Prime Minister of Pakistan he invited Mr. Navjot Singh Sidhu who went and when he went there he was made to sit next to the what president or prime minister what does Azad Kashmir have or POK what they call Azad Kashmir it has a prime minister it has a president but whoever that guy was prime minister prime minister and he also hugged the chief of army staff of Pakistan for which he got a lot of backlash here meanwhile of course Republic TV or Times are one of the two jokers said that this one puts India first, Sunil Gavaskar, by refusing to go. Actually, Sunil Gavaskar made clear that he could not go because he was under contract with Wisden, giving some commentary mm. somewhere for people who are still interested in cricket. So, with Navjot Singh Sidhu accepting the invitation, going for the swearing in and giving a hug to the, you know, Park Army Chief, do you think it is appropriate for a leader to do that? Is the criticism valid? To what extent is it valid? Your views on this, Miss Pandey? I think first and foremost, I'm sure Sidhu knew what he was doing and it's probably thriving with all the tension he's got <laughs> with everything that's happened. Uh, hug is really, I mean, for me, really, truly dedicating prime times to a hug when there's a Kerala flood happening doesn't make sense to me. I, I mean, it's just not something that I see as a big deal. Um, he's just he's just a boisterous chap, man. He must have hugged him. I mean, I, I really don't have much to say on this. I don't think it's... Uh, 
But interesting, Captain Amrinder Singh said he shouldn't have done that. Of course, so his Captain, own party has had. Uh, Captain can't stand him. Captain was yeah. against him getting into the party. Captain would also, like him out. Also, he's been like a BJP, कभी Congress, कभी BJP. You had this really funny clip of him saying the same thing in BJP and saying the same thing with Congress. So, <laughs> for me, it's definitely not prime time news, or it's definitely not really news. And all, it's not nothing to. And almost joining up also. Let's not forget that mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the. Transition from BJP to Congress happened after a slight flirtation with AAP. So, so yeah, um, Olek, uh, yeah. how? But big, I think no, one sorry. of the most tackiest takes on this has come from the print where she's pointed at Captain Amrinder Singh's living partner. Yes, and I mean it's just so daft. Yeah. What has him got to? What has him having a Pakistani partner got to do with? Like it's just it's worse than uh, it's at the Guru Murthy League actually. I mean, Shobha Day has it. been in the Guru Murthy <laughs> League for a long time. I think especially when she refers to them as an elderly couple, that they look hmm. like any other elderly couple. And I mean, I I don't think one should you know remark on the cosmetic you know value or appearance of someone. But hmm. Shobha Day talking about people's appearances. is a bit rich uh, because i i just find her appearance bizarre uh, i'll be really kind but uh, but uh, like uh, you what do you think as a political leader does one have to be careful about stuff like this in politics symbols are very important and you know whatever gestures that you do become very symbolic gestures so naturally these things you know uh, do we know whether he did it to create a controversy or uh, he did it uh, just like that like you know being boisterous mm. you know like she said i wouldn't know and you know certainly you know these kind of news stories don't i don't find them attractive enough to uh, give too much of a thought to you know someone goes what you you're know, saying they were like two prime time debates on this and all along or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. and all this being written on But it and being yeah. and he's i mean what is this guy is not even an important he's navjot singh sidhu yaar i mean no, it's not like you know let's see important is even his hug you know lk advani went to um, karachi in 2005 and uh, uh, referred to um, uh, koyda sam um, jinnah as uh, secular uh, uh, ruler of that country you know there was you know like uh, b- then uh, you have a lot of lot of things to debate you know like exactly. whether yeah, actually yeah, exactly. advani said that called him secular to trap him in a way you know in, in hindsight mm-hmm. that in pakistan being a non believer or a secular you know he is, is he yeah, belong diminishes to a, you yeah so he also you know jinna uh, belong to the shia denomination and also everyone knew uh, outside and any anyone who did a research you know some kind of a study of him would know he used to eat pork and uh, he right. used non to have practicing muslim yeah non practicing muslim that he was and you know and to call him a secular would be to diminish his appeal fact, it true. could even have been that because a lot of people in the rss have told me that it could he his intention was that but then it boomeranged completely yeah, well, what is his title in pakistan quaide azam quaide azam so anand what is your view on the hug and is it see mr siddhu is a kind of man who is in love with his voice so he didn't get much to speak in pakistan <laughs> so uh, he had to compensate it with uh, physical gestures hmm. so he did it so he had to come back with making some kind of headline <laughs> now he was not given an opportunity to speak hmm. so he made it with this now what is 
eight that I also find it why he was uh, find it curious why he was invited. So a he was not uh, uh, in the league of cricketers that Gavaskar and Kapil Dev Kapil Dev mm. were. So they and at the back of Imran's mind he mm. would have certainly respected uh, Gavaskar and Kapil if they went. Mm. But and at the back of a sportsman man mind you are aware of the mediocrities. Sidhu was a mediocre cricketer. Hmm. So and there were also news reports that he somehow cold shouldered him when hmm. he when he arrived in Pakistan. <laughs> so and he, he didn't make even eye contact to him and so acha bhi aage chaliye. So B B, I think uh, him belonging to Punjab was a factor because a lot of uh, a large part of Pakistan is Western Punjab. Mm. So, and being a Pakistani, inviting a Pakistani politician who is an MLA there uh, and a minister, he was also a minister for mm. some time, mm. I think, mm. or he still is. So that I think that factor played m- more role. Uh, now, third is uh, it being a prime time news? It is not. It is not. But as Ullek uh, said, that gestures political symbolisms, this uh, get uh, 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 sports sports net coverage, and that's the reason for it. It's a, means uh, I think it's eyeball grabbing a story, but not uh, of uh, any consequence. consequence. No, right. uh, I think when a head of state does it, like for example, a lot of people are like, I think the comparison of uh, Modi going and hugging Nawaz Sharif is, is not accurate, even if this was, let's say, newsworthy, is not the same as him hugging the chief. Just like Amarinder Singh hugging his lover, who's a Pakistani, is not the same as this. I think all three have very different contexts. Yeah. So, like for example, if there's a state-to-state interaction, and if a prime minister of a country is trying to find a solution to Kashmir or anything, mm-hmm. you'll go and hug. I think that is a good way to start. I remember when Yasser Arafat met, who was the Israeli chief at that time, when Clinton uh, got the two to meet. That that uh, Shimon uh, Paris. It was Shim- Shim- uh, when Shim- at, at White House lawns. Uh, Israel uh, when Yasser Arafat and who Simon was it? Perez. Perez. when they hugged and oh. that entire that joint yeah. press conference mm. I mean for Israeli you know chief and and the Palestinian PLA chief to hug that way mm. is that oh, oh he's a traitor but when you're trying to resolve issues at that level it's different I think if you're like a small time politician who goes there the optics of hugging the general who was a part of the army that is different and if you have a girlfriend from Pakistan you're hugging her that's different I mean I just find <laughs> Like what the fuck is wrong with people? Have yeah. people lost them? That he, you know. But so. I think that something that should have made prime time news, and I think only NDTV had one debate on it, was Captain Amrinder Singh saying that they're going to pass, they're going to amend the IPC to make sacrilege of all religious texts punishable with life imprisonment. Yes. This is something terrible. It's hair-brained. It's horrible. It's going to be used to persecute. I mean, it could, it's, it can only be misused. Yes. Something like that is what I think was alarming coming out of uh, Punjab. That is what really, I would like more discussion and more pressure on the government to back down on that. I completely agree with you. For context, I'll just tell uh, everyone, Punjab cabinet has approved a proposal, a, a law, an amendment that will make it punishable and with life imprisonment to desecrate any uh, religious text. Now, the context for this, why he's doing this is because there was this Major, I mean, of course, still it's not solved where it came from. The Granth Sahab in the run-up to the Punjab election was found desecrated in a few places. Somewhere they found in the gutter, someone some set it on fire. I don't know who gained politically, why it was being done. But that really had 
were had become a bit of a political hot potato at that time and i think it is one of the dumbest things to do a mm. there is already a really shitty law mm. that makes uh, a lot of things problematic and they've made an already shitty law an already shitty social narrative around laws of you know people's sentiments getting hurt on lines of religion even more ridiculous and the mm. fact that there's been very little pushback from anyone I think it's yeah. problematic. It's deeply problematic. Yeah, yeah. Well, like your view on this? Yeah, I think you know, like you know, if you look Punjab closely in the recent years, you have had a certain kind of tendency to uh, go back to certain ways of the 80s. You know, you know, not to that extent, but uh, not in terms of the fund flow or support for the cause. But you know, Punjabi subnationalism is slowly gaining in uh, strength. You know, once again. it's a, it's a, it's it has not been captured uh, in the national media as of yet but i think you know all these kind of uh, what they would characterize as draconian laws or you know proposals would only add fuel to the fire so we have to be very careful about any kind of laws you know that uh, Uh, would uh, further aggravate the situation rather than you know like uh, trying to reach out to as many people as possible sure. you know and to uh, not uh, repeat the mistakes um, that various political parties even at the top levels had made uh, in the late 70s and the 80s which led to a major crisis and from which it took you know india had to pay, pay a huge price to come back okay i uh, please keep your recommendations ready i just have a couple of emails to read um, this is from arvind I have an inkling of what might be discussed this week so here is my feed forward please don't spend time discussing Rajiv Malhotra and Vivek Agnihotri I have my issues with TS so he is hastily conjured opinion piece being published having said that please not drag the rest of Twitter exchange and all news knowledge to the hafta it will help the podcast Arvind if you've been a regular listener to the hafta you know my view of social media setting the framing debates and discussions so you would should know me better than thinking that I'll use Twitter exchange to frame a, a debate on something in the hafta where we can be a lot more articulate. Second, for subscribers' sake, please upload the full hafta to the app before chota hafta. Uh, Karthik, I guess that may be a smarter thing to do. I don't know why, but since uh, our subscriber is saying we should upload uh, the full hafta before chota hafta for subscribers' sake, yeah. So maybe we should do that. So we'll upload that. That's a good, good suggestion, Arvind. Thank you. And feedback on PM's Independence Day speech. I thought, contrary to all the panelists' opinion, the PM still had it in him to make his speech. to make this speech an aspect of discussion even after 5 years i don't remember the independence day speech before modi being an aspect of curious interest to the common man well that's because you couldn't even hear what manmohan singh was saying for 10 years it <laughs> might be useful as you approach the 2019 election to, it's a fact yeah 2019 election to have at least one member in the panel that has a slightly favorable uh, view of the government considering we long time subscribers know what the stated positions of ms trehan ms pandey ms sekriya i'm not sure if mr vardhan is that gentleman but i'll gladly take it he just needs to keep the one liners coming okay mr vardhan is here so i hope you're happy arvind and this email is from shubhendu mohanty says dear team hafta i'm a subscriber i'm writing this mail after gulping down half a bottle of wine on a friday night so feel free to ignore the email <laughs> only half a bottle only wine. half a bottle says the mallu you are mr mohanty you are probably uh, odia <laughs> So the Mallu here says that it should have been a full bottle of toddy. <laughs> so feel free to ignore the email if it reads like a ramble. I want to make a few quick points. Happened to catch Chota Hafta 185 through a random YouTube suggestion. I must say I'm very disappointed at how Chota Hafta's packaged. It's simply lazy work. If the intent of Chota Hafta is to grab attention of the non-subscribers, then it certainly beats the purpose of spending 20% of the podcast and just introducing the panel. That's a very good point. Uh, Karthik, maybe you and Parikshit should relook at how you edit Chota Hafta. We don't have to introduce the whole panel. Just have little 
nuggets of you know the discussions which are good hooks in fact i would also suggest to dedicate 30 seconds of every chota hafta to explain what a regular hafta actually contains hmm okay thank you for that suggestion and madhu you use the usa equivalent quite often to draw parallels with the indian system it is okay but please do not lose the scale and perspective especially when you talk about police brutality there is simply no comparison but the way you state it is simply misguiding to the listeners who are based outside usa and can you guys please call ranga uncle and deepanjana as guests for one more hafta i miss them both abhinandan dude you rock keep the great work thank you so much and nitesh pande says hafta gang kudos for the work you do I've been a regular listener since episode 27 onwards and a subscriber ever since. I've consumed news only since day 1 and I'm thankful for the wonderful recommendations you make every week and the insights of the varied panel which has made my life very eclectic. Then he's gone on to say very nice things about Madhu. She's his Mary Lasker who I learned while reading one of the books recommended by the panel Emperor of the Maladies and uh, then he says besides one occasion when Abhinandan indulged in body shaming the RSS pracharaks and every fat person on this planet I tend to agree with most of his points of view well i wasn't not everyone on the planet i had a very major clause there you know um, you're forgetting nitesh uh, but anand vardhan has brought the much needed balance to the conversation however at times he sounds too cynical about the possibility of change we can and should aim to bring about how our society functions anand i too cynical anand laughs he laughs in your face he says no i'm not <laughs> i'm an optimist take that you and finally he's most fond of manisha because the way she Uh, he has agrees with everything she has to say with her patience and how she waits for her turn to speak is remarkable so <laughs> nice and, and uh, anand ranganathan as long as he was there was worth his weight in gold deepanjana pal could not handle a particular confrontation with abhinandan and left ha huh? <laughs> no that's not why right. yeah it's totally him it's, wow you know uh, i you just got it right <laughs> nitesh i don't I, know how i'm hanging on but yeah <laughs> nitesh i just it's a struggle every day <laughs> nitesh uh, i just let letting you know that we dis- may disagree on the hafta very often but that has nothing to do with anyone coming or going uh, and i don't necessarily announce everyone's reasons for being here for leaving because i believe everyone's while transparency as an organization is important i'm not going to start uh, giving everybody's explanations that why they are here why they're not here they can give an explanation themselves if they want to otherwise people's privacy is also important but no a confrontation on hafsa <laughs> had nothing to do with dj going back to bombay but uh, thanks for your support really appreciate it thank you for your subscription and finally there's a letter from pallavi which is in hindi you can read it on our website she has really taken all our podcasts to the cleaners and oh. what she's uh, pallavi is written in hindi and i'll just give you a couple of things she's written this to atul but basically it's addressed to hafta and awful yeah. and awesome so uh, nl charcha but it's not just nl charcha she said it applies to hafta also से मेरी शिकायत यह है कि चर्चा नाकाबिले बर्दाश्त हो जा रही है उबाऊ घिसा पेटा नजरिया गहरा सोचने की मेहनत से बचते विचार और शॉर्टकट्स की थीम पर चलता विचारों का आदान प्रदान ऐसा लगता है कि आप सब बेहद खोए हुए असतर्क हैं और अपनी चर्चा में इस असर्कता असत असक सॉरीता और आलस को छिपाने की मेहनत करना जरूरी नहीं समझते यानी अगर मैं और मेरे दोस्त बैठकर बातें करें तो आप लोगों से अच्छी चर्चा कर लें अगर आपको समझ में नहीं आ रहा है कि मैं क्या कह रही हूँ तो अपने कुछ एपिसोड सुनिए और मुझे राजी कीजिए कि मैं क्यों आपकी बातें सुनूं <laughs> <laughs> कुछ सुझाव ट्विटर पे फैले हुए रायते को 
डिस्कस करने पर एक मिनट से ज्यादा समय नष्ट न करें आई कम्प्लीटली अग्री विद यू ऑन दैट एंड वी ट्राई नॉट टू डू इट रिकमेंडेशन में नेटफ्लिक्स की सीरीज के बारे में बताने का महापाप बंद कीजिए हद होती है आलस और अहम कपने की अमित जुझारू और धांसू रिपोर्टर होंगे लेकिन चर्चा करनी उन्हें बिल्कुल नहीं आती व्यंगोक्ति हास्य विडंबना विरोधाभास आश्चर्य चोट करने वाले सवालों के अभाव में चर्चा कैसे हो सकती है आप लोगों से सीखना चाहिए सो शी सिंग इट्स डिवॉइड ऑफ व्यंग एंड विरोधाभास आपकी जानकारी के लिए बता दू चर्चा और बकैती में फर्क होता है आपको पॉडकास्ट में इनके बीच की दीवार पूरी तरह से ढहनी हुई नजर आती है आप अपने पॉडकास्ट से मेरे और इस देश के सारे कष्ट हर लेंगे ऐसी आशा तो नहीं कर रही हूँ <laughs> लेकिन बोर तो मत करो भाई ये तो हद ही हो गई कि आपको पैसे भी दूं आपकी बकवास भी सुनूं और फिर आपको चिट्ठी लिखने की तकलीफ उठाऊ आपको ताकीद करूं आपके पॉडकास्ट की और भी कमियां की तरफ इशारा करना चाहती हूं लेकिन समय की बेहद कमी के कारण आपसे जो शिकायत है वो नागराज मंजुले पिस्तुल्या फ्रेंड्री सैराट जैसी खूबसूरत फिल्मों के निर्देशक और लेखक की कविता के माध्यम से व्यक्त कर रही हूँ कविता मराठी में है शीर्षक है उन्हाच्या कटाविरुद्ध मराठी से हिंदी में इसकी अनुवाद टीकम शेखावत ने की है धूप की साजिश के खिलाफ इस सनातन बेवफा धूप से घबराकर क्यों हो जाती हो तुम एक सुरक्षित खिड़की की सुशोभित बोनजाए और बेबसी से मांगती हो छाया इस अनैतिक संस्कृति में नैतिक होने की हट की खातिर क्यों दे रही हो एक आकाशमयी मनस्वी विस्तार को पूर्ण विराम तुम क्यों खिल नहीं जाती आवेश से गुलमोहर की तरह धूप की साजिश के खिलाफ आपको आपका आपसे त्रस्त श्रोता सब्सक्राइबर पल्लवी पल्लवी ठोको ताली ठोको ताली क्या क्या मेल लिखी आई बहुत बहुत उम्मीदवार so uh, yes thank you pallavi we will definitely have a meeting either this week or next and figure out how and we I, can restructure it i got a good media critique in pallavi so she, if she wants to write she should send us stuff yeah pallavi why don't you write for us contact she sounds like she'd be really good at critiquing the media contact at news laundry or just write to me directly abhinandan.sekri@gmail.com that is abhinandan.sekri@gmail.com but everyone thank you for your emails thank you subscribe subscribing because without you there is no revenue model in the future i have believed that for 7 years now there is no news model without subscriber subscription so i urge you tell a friend tell one more person you know so that every week our subscription base grows on that note can we come to some some recommendations from the team please can we start with you anand and don't suggest netflix series kyunki <laughs> as pallavi says had hoti hai bhai i never i never <laughs> 
राइटर Hmm. but uh, we all are just different levels of hacks i hmm. may be a lower level you may be a higher level but we are hacks napol was a writer who whose work will survive 100 years despite people persuaded by a kind of wokeness political correctness hating him he would be recounter of our times hmm. 100 years from now so i think uh, f- and also for the excellence of his craft you should read napol and uh, the book i am recommending is his most memorable one it's not the more controversial non fiction from uh, but uh, a house for mr vishwas a house for mr vishwas uh, i am recommending it for a very precise reason that more than napol i identify with uh, napol's uh, father because he was a failed man so he was a failure in life and uh, with and not only a failure in life he was a failure in life plus a domesticated man who had to run a family so i identify with the way a house for mr vishwas is a semi or a very thinly disguised biographical account of his failed father a failed mm. man and written with very impish humor but very human insights in the struggles of a failed man domesticated family man who is negotiating the domestic politics the external world and the banality uh, of life and as the you banality of life and trying to find a space for himself and so uh, himself or and failing so it's a failed man who died as a failure there is no good in moment of triumph the uh, climax so there is no good in reading failed men who ultimately succeeded <laughs> it's better to read people who were failures and who died as failure so i for that I because most of the people are like that hmm. so a house for mr vishwas if you have not read it read it if you have read it revisit it okay yeah i i read um, two books uh, over the last one month there is no uh, context to that you know just thought of reading uh, two of them one is magic mountain and this is not reading this is rereading you know it's one is magic mountain by thomas mann I read it, you know, for the same reason that uh, Anand said that, you know, there are times you assume that, you know, all of us assume that that we are great uh, writers, you know, like like journalists who think, you know, they make history or they write the first draft of history. So, Christopher Hitchens often had um, uh, some advice for them, you know, that whenever you think that uh, you are... Uh, assume as a journalist and congratulate yourself and pat others of your ilk on your back that you are writing the first draft of history you should read uh, karl marx's uh, dispatch for the new york tribune so uh, in that sense you know like anyone who has any pretension of uh, being a writer of course you know we all grow you know because we 
unlearn you know it's not just through learning it's also through mm. unlearning so i think reading thomas mann would be a, a great thing to do and another book i read you know like despite not having much time is the impossible indian uh, by uh, faisal dr faisal dev ji it's a 3 year old or maybe more than that year old book uh, on mahatma gandhi so you know mahatma gandhi has become a whipping boy of sorts for everyone mm. but you know there are aspects of him you know even if you speak to his uh, most bitter rivals you know you can't shake gandhi away from them you know gandhi is always with you so this one is a book you know there are lots of things that perry anderson uh, when he reviewed this book the impossible indian uh, trashed him because of his own preoccupation with gandhi so i think you know like to understand gandhi a little bit better you know no i, I completely agree with this yeah. whole thing of you know trashing gandhi is oh. become like the, the petulant child who wants to get attention yeah. says let me abuse the teacher you know, and everyone I, say oh, I, how cool yeah, you are because I, and the whole triage thing i think to trash gandhi of course you can be critical of him and should yeah. be critical of him but the way i find the way immature way that gandhi is tra- you know just trashed oh. is demonstrates a lack of understanding of either gandhi mm. or writing Mm-hmm. both yeah and also you know he is criticized for the things that he has said about himself arundhati roy has you know i'm not a great admirer unlike a lot of people of arundhati roy's writings mm. you know except her first uh, work of fiction mm. look at the way she has tried to appropriate a lot of others while trying to trash mahatma gandhi mm. you know Mahatma Gandhi converted a, a Lions Club uh, like structure of the Congress into a mass movement mobilized people which helped a lot of others come up in life it's not that you know uh, just because he did that he shouldn't give space to others he did but he uh, stood his ground when it came to his opinions and vision and also when he was in his 20s uh, uh, he used a word which was not unparliamentary at that time in uh, racist africa kafir or you know he looked down upon certain people as saying he didn't look down upon people he said that these kind of people who have loose morals and things like that we wouldn't find in india he's, yeah, but he said a lot but of he, problematic things about the the entire bai culture of banaras i mean th- there is no but yeah, um, yeah this is and also his critique of western science and this this, yeah. this may uh, today's uh, prog- um, people may find it rig- aggressive but, mm, exactly. but also you, there is a time bound gandhi stuck in his time frame and there is a timeless gandhi right. so so uh, both needs to, need to be studied very well said mm-hmm. yes so, so that's uh, sorry go ahead and second uh, i just want to add uh, the indian interest to ulekh's uh, um, uh, karl marx's dispatch from new york tribune it's a, a, he was a london co- correspondent mm-hmm. for it but he was writing covering AC, a, india asia mm-hmm. asia as a whole and he wrote on 1857 rebellion mm-hmm. uh, 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 marks and his very interesting concept of asiatic mode of production mm-hmm. also surfaced there so the indian angle to that those yeah, and also the fact that the karl marx we know are from literature we got from soviet union when we were kids and the uh, karl marx that has been sobered down or diluted uh, through a lot of propaganda machinery so this is undiluted karl marx talking about a lot of issues you know including right. india and china 
Manisha, your recommendation? So, uh, pieces, two pieces in News Laundry, T.R. Vivek and Anand Vardhan's on uh, Atal Bihari Vajpai. A piece by Rohani Mohan on Dadri. And I think two pieces, I'll uh, give the links to Karthik on, from down to earth on the Kerala floods and this whole question of whether it was man-made or not and what could have been done to avoid the calamity. Hmm. So you've just made Pallavi's point of being ridiculously lazy by, by recommending two news laundry pieces. Thank you. But they're good pieces. <laughs> yeah, why but... should, why is it lazy? You, oh, you think like pieces on news laundry are not good enough to be recommended? No, I think Pallavi meant that we are already consuming news laundry and we're probably already consuming Netflix. So if she wants a recommendation, it's something that they can't discover on their own. Because they'll listen to Hafta, the likelihood is they already discovered that. Of course, but you're free Maybe, to do what you want. Yeah. I'm just, because they're good pieces in case you uh, missed it, you should read them. No, no, I'm just trying to basically provoke a fight between you and Pallavi. That's I'm, I'm just being oh. Narad Muni. <laughs> so my recommendation for the week is, um, and I'll quickly tell you why. It's from Slate. It's called Fighting Dehumanization. That's in, in, in quotes. Is not good enough to fix Twitter. It's by April Glazer. It basically starts off by what Twitter is doing to um, take down the kind of hate that often proliferates on Twitter. And mind you, I'm, I'm, I'm a free speech absolutist, or I was at least till now. And the more I'm reading about how a social media outrage precedes physical attacks... I, I'm, not, I'm still on the fence on this, but I would like to read a little more on this. And this article will make you question your free speech absolutism because there appears that a certain dehumanization that happens for a person, for a society, for a particular community on social media is followed by physical attacks on them. And keeping that in mind, I think we're going to have to reconfigure and relook at our view on, you know, what is free speech and what is hate speech and I'm not saying I've done it right now but I think it's an interesting place to read and I'd like to know what people think will the digital age make us reconfigure how we look at what is permissible speech so I think it's a good thought-provoking article on that and on that note thank you Lake for joining us I'd like to thank Dhanya thank you Manisha thank you Anand for your participation and for your recommendations and I will leave you with this song which I dedicated to Navjot Singh Sidhu you did not get a chance to create the kind of jalwa that you would have liked <laughs> but if you are listening to this podcast just dance to the song and we will upload it and uh, I think that will communicate your position on why you went to Pakistan on Imran Khan's invitation. Until next week, from all of us at News Laundry, goodbye. Podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hold up. 